Welcome to Boy Boy Time Podcast. We're gonna get lady time, yeah. Oh, it's your boy, Boy Time Podcast. Coming in with the slam dunk of a theme song. Hi ho ho, it's me, Thomas Washington. Back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by just Babby. I know. It's the end of an era, except not yet. Not yet. Um, we're starting a little late. We got caught up uh, with Atlanta, so Paul's not here. He has to get up early tomorrow, so he's not here today. Sounds like he's going to be back for the next couple of weeks, but there's a possibility that Paul may be absent from the podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm so sad. Um but we'll we'll do a big send off thing if that ever comes to be. But we have a slam dunk week that Paul's just gonna miss because we have a lot to talk about. Um, we've had a lot of um, movie news. Uh, we had a lot of show news. We got a decent amount of gaming news. We have a gaming update, mm. which I feel like. Uh, I need to talk about because we took a pretty firm stance on it when the news came out and then there have been updates and I feel like I need to amend my statements. So we'll start with gaming. We won't start with that. We'll start with the actual news first. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this last week. Um, so I just included it anyways. Did we talk about the Witcher 1 remake? Yes. Yes. I'm okay. pretty sure we talked about something Witcher. There was sure that's why I was wondering. Yeah. But in case I didn't, there is a Witcher 1 remake coming out in the Unreal 5 engine. Um so they're not just going to reuse the Witcher 3 engine. They're just going to do their the Unreal Engine 5. I think it's developed in-house by CD Project Red. Uh it was just announced. So nothing really tangible of it yet. Speaking of not really tangible, we got a new business deal. If there's one thing that Disney learned from signing Star Wars games to EA is that they should never, ever do that, which is why EA has signed an exclusivity deal with Marvel to make three games about Marvel Comics characters, uh, starting with Iron Man. I don't, I don't know if they've announced who the other ones are. Um, yeah, because this worked really well before. I'm glad that Disney's ready to of course. do that again. Um, we'll we'll get to some Star Wars stuff a little later because there have been some developments with that. Um, I don't think this is going to be like the Star Wars exclusivity deal, though, because Insomnia, as far as I'm aware, they are still making Spider-Man 2 and the Wolverine game. Um I don't know if there's any other Marvel games in development that we know of. Uh, there was that Iron Man VR game, but I think that already came out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Iron Man's a pretty safe choice, I guess, if you're going to start a video game. I don't even know what it would be. The MVGU? I suppose. The, the M- MVGEAU? <laughs> I don't know if these are going to be connected. It'd be literally easier to just call it a video game. Yeah, that's true. 
sometimes these alliterations are a little bit too much where it's like uh M C T W T W T W it's like uh, too much. It's too much. Um but I guess we'll we'll keep you posted on that. I doubt that those are gonna be good. But we'll see. We don't even know what studios are working on them yet, so that also makes a difference. Um, and then we got one little thing. Uh, Phil Spencer, the, the CEO of Xbox, um, has been doubling down on the COD coming to PlayStation thing. Um, he made a statement today, as of us recording it. Uh, I forgot to mention that this is the Halloween episode. Ooh. Ooh. As of recording this, it's late. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little late because uh, this will be coming out on November 2nd. But we are recording this on Halloween, so it is a fun little Halloween video. Um, or podcast. This isn't a video. Or it is a video. Kind of. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Phil Spencer said that, that Xbox and Activision are going to make COD available to PlayStation as long as there are PlayStations to ship to, which sounds a little ominous. Sounds like they're going to try to <laughs> corner the PlayStation market and drive them out of business. Um, and then he cited Minecraft as an example where it's like, we have owned yeah. Minecraft for a while and we are going to be like that. Um, so I guess you can stop worrying about it if you are worried about it. Uh, I don't think people are worried about it. I don't, that would be like a huge L if that happened. Yeah. I feel like Activision wouldn't let that slide as much. I feel like I feel like just as like a business perspective, it, they'd be kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Yes. But I know that's something that PlayStation is very scared about. Like yeah. like when they signed the deal to for COD to come out for like the next 3 years, then PlayStation was like, "That is not enough. We are too scared that we are going to lose <laughs> COD." Which I guess is fair. I don't know. This isn't like anything solid. This is just him making a statement about it. They could definitely go back on their word three years down the line after yeah. this deal expires. But as I of don't see now, them doing that unless COD really takes a downhill turn and doesn't sell as much copies, which never happens. Well, here's the thing, because Phil Spencer also released a statement this week. I didn't actually write this down, but I did see it where he was saying that uh, he is aware of Xbox not pushing out a bunch of um, AAA games from their in-house developers. I don't know if that means that they want to start pumping out like Rare, if Rare wants to start making games again, or if... Uh, I don't even know. What are Xbox Studios? Rare is the only one I know. Uh... What do they own now? Blizzard? Rick. They own, like, everything. Blizzard. They own Bethesda and all the Bethesdas. So they have, like, e oh, no, they don't have Eidos Montreal. This is so not important at all. Um, but, you know, if, if they ever get desperate enough, they could just make COD a AAA exclusive and then say, we have done our part to make AAA exclusive games again. I guess they don't count Halo Infinite. I guess not. COD is just such a big seller where yeah. it kind of becomes a main focal point. Yeah, I mean, 
It's it's one of those games that's too big to yes. not come out at least on PlayStation. I don't I don't see it yeah. going on Switch like Minecraft. No. Not exactly the same audience. They have to make sure their games work on the main consoles before they try to do a freaking Switch version. Yeah. Unless Nintendo unveils the Switch 2 or the lever. <laughs> the pulley system. The pulley system. <laughs> or or they're just going to go back to their roots and make it a Switch U. We too. <laughs> we too. We're bringing back the remotes because you guys missed it. It's like the it. Switch, but you get two remotes ah. instead of two Joy-Cons. Honestly, I'm all for that because those Joy-Cons are too small. They are small. way too small. My hands cramp up way too quick. Yeah. That's why I use the Pro Controller, but yeah. uh, that should be stock in the system, in my opinion. Because the Wii Remote was pretty versatile, and it was big enough to actually hold it like a human being would, and not like a, a lemur. Mm-hmm. I think Joy-Cons were made with lemurs in mind. That's the that's the thing. All right, let's talk about Bayonetta. Have you heard about the Bayonetta uh, thing? I've seen, like, some things about it, but I haven't, like, cared enough to read into it too okay. much. Bayonetta came out this week. Um, I don't think that's really the thing that we need to talk about. It no, did come out no, this nobody week. Nobody cares about that. Nobody Here's... cares about that. We need to talk about the voiceover things. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, I reported that... Um, Helena Taylor, the original voice actor for Bayonetta and Bayonetta 1 and 2, kind of made a video claiming that Nintendo uh, offered her $4,000 to come in and do all of the voice acting for the, the whole game, which on, on its surface is an incredible slap in the face, and voice actors definitely deserve more, and I think that was kind of the stance that we took at the time. Um, I was seeing a bunch of other voice actors coming out in support of this. Um, turns out, this is a juicy smoulier thing this whole time. Oh no! Uh, it came out that um, that four thousand dollar rate was after the initial negotiations. That four thousand dollars was for a brief cameo that mm. Helena Taylor was going to have, um, which I think $4,000 for one or two days work, I think that's completely Pretty reasonable. Yep. Um, and also based on some other things, I have done my research. I have looked at voice actors and what they are saying about this. Uh, Sean Chiplock, he is the guy who played Rivali, the bird guy in Breath of the Wild. Um, he said that he was, uh, uh, in total, he got around $3,000 for a supporting role in Breath of the Wild, um, per union gig. It, it, the average is about $900 for a day's work. You go in, you do a gig and then you're pretty much done. Um, he got $3,000 because not only was he Rivali, but he was, I guess, a couple other like NPC characters where they go like, Hey, you know? Uh, Michael Hollick, who was Nico Bellic in GTA 4. Nico. Nico, my cousin. Uh, he disclosed that he got $100,000 for 15 months of VA for um, GTA 4. 
Um, but this is a point of contention because he um, felt that Rockstar mistreated him and he thought that um, he was owed residuals, which I think is something that voice actors should get because um, actors get that in movies and TV shows whenever they get syndicated or, you know, they get a cut of the profits uh, if you're big. You know, Bruce Willis probably gets it on all those red box movies he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was up, he was a little upset about that. Um, Troy Baker, friend of the show, Troy Baker, Joel from the last friend of, us. of the show. Uh, I don't know if I want to say that because he was also promoting NFTs, but um, he said most that, celebrities work because <laughs> they just get offered money for some like random thing that their agents like. Hey, you should do hey, this. you should do this. It's a great money making opportunity. Uh, but yeah, he's a friend of the show. He's Joel from The Last of Us. Uh, he is. He's he made a statement that one hundred thousand dollars is adequate for something of that scale. But he is also a supporter of the voice actors should get residuals. I should note that I'm getting most of this information from an IGN article uh, called "Bayonetta Three Voice Actors Detail Their Pay Workload in the Dangerous Race to the Bottom." which is written by a freelance journalist that I guess works for IGN sometimes. So I thought that it did a pretty good job laying out where everything was. So now that we kind of have a rough idea of how much voice actors are paid generally when it comes to video games, we can kind of dig into what she was offered and what, I guess, if that is a good or bad thing. Um... So for the original negotiations, she was offered between 4000 to 6000 per session. Uh, mm. Total coming around $15,000 for the whole project. Um, Taylor refused to budge on higher pay, and she also demanded a cut of residuals. I think it's fair. I think, you know, Nintendo probably could have paid her more. Um, but I, also, I don't know how much VA is in Bayonetta. I've never played a Bayonetta game, but I don't imagine that it's a very dialogue-heavy experience, like a Nico Bellig or Tr- uh, Joel from The Last of Us, where it's pretty much like half of it is cutscenes. Because um, I'm pretty sure it's just like a hack and slash, a la... Devil May Cry or the original God of War. Um, so then she was replaced, and then Helena Taylor, uh, you know, she got that offer that was the 4000 for this cameo, and then she made a huge whole video about it. Um, and she also urged people to boycott the game, which I don't think people really have, from what I can tell. Uh, it also came out that she was like, hey, if you, you know, if you're boycotting the game, then you should send that money that you would have gave to Nintendo and you should give it to charity. Sounds like a righteous cause, but she was plugging uh, a, an organization called Billboards for Life in Kentucky. Uh, I'll let you fill awesome. in the blanks of <laughs> what that is. Um, I feel like I've seen this so many times. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, the place where pro-life billboards need to be is Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of traction there. 
<laughs> so, yeah, not the best thing. I mean, it was like in a list of things where it was like, support your local food banks, support homeless shelters, uh, billboards for life in Kentucky. Oh, here's another thing. It's like, okay. You still plugged it, though. Uh, in, in comparison, uh, Anna Brisbane, she voiced one of the uh, main supporting roles in the game. She live-streamed her, her playing the game and donated all of, all of the money to Trans Lifeline. So you got both sides of the spectrum in, uh, I guess, Bayonetta 3. There's the whole shenanigans. One person wants uh, health care for everybody, and the other person... Uh, doesn't want you to have an abortion. Yes. On a billboard. <laughs> On a billboard. <laughs> in Kentucky. And if you're really passionate about that stuff, I don't think billboards are the best way to Yeah. If you're uh, passionate about that support stuff, you women. shouldn't be. You know? No. No. <laughs> but, you know, I see billboards all the time, and it's like, what do you... I, I, is like, the purpose of those to have, like, pregnant women drive... And drive on their way to the pro-life clinic. Or not the, the pro-life clinic. They're driving to Planned Parenthood. And they're in Kentucky. And they're like, I'm going to get my abortion, which probably isn't even legal anymore. And I'm driving. And then I see on the billboard, it's a big picture of a baby. And it says, I had fingerprints at five days old. And then the mom is like, oh, no, I am so sad. I can't believe the, trip, baby. I, I can't believe these cells in my uterus have fingerprints. That means that it's alive. <laughs> I'm gonna turn this car around and become a I can't strong believe this three week old fetus is, that could possibly kill me due to some underlying health conditions could have graduated high school at this point. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh you don't usually like to get political here, but you should probably look up a, a an actual photo of a embryo what like six weeks seven weeks because it is just slime and i don't think that's that's a human but you know to eat her own i suppose let's talk about show news because we got some stuff to talk about i think the most exciting out of this bunch is that Inside Jab Season 2 got a release date. Let's go. Yeah, November 18th. Yes, Just sir. a couple weeks away. Uh, eight, no, not, what, 1899 is also coming out. Uh, I think that might be next week. It is, I think it's early November that comes out. So those will be fun. I think we'll probably finish up this season of Sopranos and then we'll start churning through these new shows that are coming out mm -hmm. so that'll be fun uh we got some news about the arkham asylum spinoff of the batman uh it is going to be directed and show ran by antonio campos who did such films as the staircase and devil all the time that movie with tom holland that nobody saw um i don't know i don't know anything about this dude I have not seen any of his previous works, but I think the, the premise of an Arkham Asylum show is pretty cool. So, there you go. Uh, and speaking of gamers, Henry Cavill is no longer Geralt of Rivia the Witcher. Oh, no. I'm crying. Um, yeah, so season three, I think that hasn't come out yet. So, 
He's still in season three, but once season four comes around, he's been replaced by the one, the only Liam Hensworth, the guy who is known for being the second pick. (laughs) So that'll be fun. I don't watch The Witcher, so I don't really have any feelings about this. Um, But I saw someone made like a, a meme where it was like, Henry Cavill making like this really serious decision and on one side it was money and then on the other side it was more money and you can guess True. which one he chose because uh, I guess Superman's coming back I haven't seen Black Adam but apparently spoilers for Black Adam <laughs> spoilers for Black Adam I know that's going to eliminate everybody who watches you can this already podcast. put together the context clues before the spoiler warning I guess that is true but I guess the the Marvel-esque post credit scene was a uh, little cameo by Henry Cavill's Superman as Man. he's the only one who was able to kill the one the only the rock Black Adam Black Adam um, can we do like a reverse, a reverse Morbius on this movie? I mean, I guess we kind of already did because nobody is seeing this movie. Um, but I yeah. just, I just love it if we could get the the studio to like. All right, not not a reverse Morbius because that a reverse Morbius is the minions, yeah. but an actual Morbius would be Black Adam, where yes. everybody's like super pumped about it, and then the studio re releases it, and then they lose. And millions of dollars. Yeah. I would like that. Because Warner Brothers, they need to take a hit. Because they've been taking too many W's, if you ask me. They need to keep them in line. Right? Great business decisions <laughs> all around. Yeah. Um, speaking of a great business decision, A24 hit studio, indie studio. They are developing a Friday the 13th prequel show called Crystal Lake for Peacock. I just want to take this moment to take a brief reflection on how Friday the 13th went from a blatantly uh, just TNA movie with kills in it to an A24 produced show. It's kind of kind of weird how that goes. Should have picked Halloween. Why does every horror franchise need like 16 different installments? It's a great question. Um, I don't know. But like They just milk those things harder than the MCU, and that's like saying something. Yes. Well, I think nowadays those classic slasher franchises have been pretty much uh, dead. Well, now they're kind of tame. Except for but Halloween. they used to be insane. Yes. Yeah. I mean... John Carpenter, when he did Halloween 2, I think he wrote it in like 18 hours and he was uh, stoned the entire time. That's a good sign. No, it's not a very good movie. Um, And he pretty much is like, yeah, I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) writing that movie at all. I probably would have done it better if I was sober. Um, So yeah, no, the the turnaround was uh, insane for those, which means they are insanely hit or miss. Um, But yeah, you don't see Friday the 13th. Nobody's making a new, well, I guess now they're making a new Friday the 13th. No, they're not making a new Nightmare on Elm Street. I think they're just, I think they finished the Halloween trilogy they're doing now, but I don't know if this one was successful, but 
I guess we'll see. Uh, nobody's making a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, as far as I'm aware. Because that's somehow a, uh, a franchise. Nobody's doing a Psycho. Nobody's making Psycho 6. I didn't know there were Psycho sequels until like a week ago. And now my entire worldview is different. Uh, and also they're not making any new Exorcist movies. I guess they stopped at 3. But, yeah, I have no idea why they they did that. I mean, I know why they did that, because cash. It's the same with MCU. It's like, why do they keep making superhero movies? Because people watched them. And that's why they made six Friday the 13th movies in ten years. It's a little bit of history for you. Little little Easter egg. A little Easter egg. Um... I also didn't know that A24 is developing that weekend show that's going on HBO. Now I'll probably watch it. It does make sense, I guess. Yeah. Did they produce Uncut Gems? Uh, I thought so. That wouldn't surprise me. It seems like an A24 kind of movie. Yeah, I still have not seen Uncut Gems, unfortunately. Yeah, it's produced by A24. I saw that they're making a new movie. The Safdie brothers are uh, making a new movie with Adam Sandler. So I guess they're keeping that going. We'll see if they can uh, keep him. Uh, they have to. The thing with Adam Sandler, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I guess that's okay. Adam Sandler is very good in a very specific role, and you have to write a character for him. You can't have him like sub in for like. I don't know, like in the 90s, you couldn't have him like sub in for Woody Harrelson or uh, Wesley Snipes because there's a lot of crossover there. Uh, but like Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson had Adam Sandler in mind and he is perfect in that movie. Uh, I don't know if they had Adam Sandler in mind for Uncut Gems, but I, I've heard that he's pretty dang good in it. So Uncut Gems. You just have to know... That he's not gonna, well, he's he's not very versatile. He's kind of like Nick Cage, where you get him in a specific role and he's great, but you get him out of his comfort zone and he's bad. So, and also Adam Sandler just doesn't try like ninety percent of the time. That's what makes him awesome. That's what makes him awesome. I love. He's uh, just a goofy dude. He's so goofy. I love his Jewish songs he would do on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Star Wars. We had a new Star Wars show Dream come out this week. Beauty. I know. You can stop. You can turn off your brain for like five minutes. I admit. Okay. Uh, we got a new Star Wars show. Came out this week. It's not Andor. No, Andor's been really, really good. Um, I think it's I think it's the best thing that Disney has done with Star Wars, unless they really biff it at the end. But so far, it's been really really solid. But we got another one. It is Tales of the Jedi. It is a yet another Clone Wars spinoff, or at least it's in the same animation style as the Clone Wars, same as the Bad Batch. Um, and we got it's like six shorts. Each one's around ten to fifteen minutes long. And each one is a different aspect of two Jedi's lives, kind of. Getting a little complicated here. Uh, But one of them is Dooku before he became a Sith. And one of them is Ahsoka. Um, I'm starting to get why friend of the show, Grant, does not like Ahsoka. 
because she really is in everything. Of all of the Jedi to pick that that need like more story, Ahsoka is not one. She is in she is very fleshed out in the Clone Wars. She is in Rebels. She is in uh, Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and she has a, a whole book about her. And there's you know they're making a new show about her that's coming out next year. She does not need the Tales of the Jedi treatment. Dooku, on the other hand, does. And his segments were awesome. I absolutely loved the the Dooku stuff. It was so interesting. Um, just seeing, like, you know, in, in the Clone Wars, the Republic is kind of shown as, like, the, the good guys, you know, because that's the side that the Jedi are on, and so all of them are going to be good guys. But... This show kind of shows the aspect to the Republic where it really was super corrupt and the Jedi were becoming corrupt too, which is what led to Palpatine kind of coming in and uh, taking everybody by surprise because the Jedi were just bad. They were At that point, they had become less attached to the order and the teachings of the Jedi and more like are an, a branch of the Republic Senate, which is uh, not great. You don't want your enforcement or your neutral enforcers to be attached to a government because uh, that's real life, maybe. Uh, so then Dooku kind of becoming disillusioned with the Jedi totally makes sense, and it's really interesting to see his slow descent. Um, we see him with a young Qui-Gon. That one was super awesome. Uh, like, right as The Phantom Menace is happening, is at the last of Dooku's, and um, he... Um, I, I'm going to talk about Yaddle. This is this is probably the most important thing to come out of Tales of the Jedi. On, uh, yeah, it is, because uh, Yaddle is voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, um, who has been writing and directing a lot for The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and stuff. Um, but Yaddle is a part of Yoda's species. Um, she has never had a talking, a speaking line. She is briefly shown in The Phantom Menace as being on the Jedi Council. She is no longer there in Episode 2. Now we know why. But the most important thing is that she doesn't speak like Yoda does. She speaks like a regular person. So then why does Yoda speak in riddles? Because he's quirky. Is he a funny little guy? He's just a little silly. <laughs> I had seen I had seen things before the show came out because we knew Yaddle was going to be in it and voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard. So people were like, what if she doesn't speak like Yoda does? And it just proves that Yoda's just a weird little dude that likes speaking in riddles. And I was like, there's no way. They got to keep him like that. And no. No, Yoda is just a weird dude that speaks in riddles because Yaddle just talks like a normal person, which I guess means that baby Yoda is going to talk like a normal person too. And now I have been disillusioned with Star Wars and I am done being a fan. All of this continuity but just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure around this time, Yoda would have been around 840 years old, whereas Yaddle is around 300 years old. So who knows, maybe 500 years before Yaddle was 
grace to be on in the Star Wars universe. Maybe everyone just spoke in riddles, and Yoda's just not dropped that habit. Except I know they haven't, because KOTOR is a thing, and nobody talks like that. Um, and I think he's in the High Republic books, and he still talks in riddles. So I don't know who taught him to speak like that, but uh, they have, you know, irreparably changed everything. If Yoda talked normal, then the, the Jedi would not have all got wiped out. That's all I'm going to say. So, yeah, watch the Dooku ones. The Ahsoka ones are fine. Uh, we get to see her birth on Traguda planet. Live birth? That's crazy. No, you don't, <laughs> don't get to see that. Oh, but you, well, you don't, it's not a close-up, but you do actually see, like, the, the, like the midwives and stuff yeah. around Ahsoka's mom. And then... Uh, it's like, oh, they find out that she is the Force. And then the next one is, like, Ahsoka in, um, like, right after the Clone Wars movie. And Anakin's, like, training her um, in a very unconventional way. But that is par for the course. Uh, he's just training her. He's like, training droids are too predictable. I'm just going to have a bunch of my clone troopers just stand in a circle and shoot you. I was like, yeah, that's Anakin. He just does that. Um, and then the last one was post uh, Clone Wars, in between Clone Wars and Rebels, where Ahsoka's laying low, a.k.a. I'm pretty sure it's the, the Ahsoka book. I've read like 50 pages of it, and it just didn't grab me, even though I really like Ahsoka. Um, and so I, it's the, the moment that she kills the Inquisitor and gets her lightsaber crystals that, that she changes from red to white, and that explains the white lightsaber, except you don't actually see it, so it's just me. I'm the only person. Like, if you want to explain why she has white lightsabers, because nobody knows except for diehard fans, then you should do it in a show like this, and you don't even show it. You just show her getting to red crystals, but then you don't show her making them white. Just to, uh, whatever, this is too nerdy. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I ho I'm hoping for a season two. Um, I've seen some people throw around um, some sequel Jedi, like, like showing Leia getting Jedi training and then Ben Solo. I would really be into that. Um, not because... I, I am not a fan of the sequels, but I think there was just so much potential that um, was wasted, frankly. Because The Force Awakens sets up a whole bunch of stuff that is interesting. Um, and then it's just kind of fumbled throughout the entire trilogy. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I'd also really like an Obi-Wan one, because we don't really know anything about his background. Uh, I think that could be interesting. See, good to good to see some Obi Wan Anakin stuff as always, and then I don't know, maybe show him as an old man. We've seen him as a middle aged man. Show show him, bring back um, Alec Guinness, bring him back from the dead, and have him play Obi Wan. They already did it in Force Awakens. You just didn't notice. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Star Wars news because there has been some developments. There was a, a an announcement of a new Star Wars project, and people, people, can we, we stop 
can Star Wars fans just stop getting so excited every time a new project is announced when we know literally nothing about it? Because um, it's it's just like, hey, this is a movie that's being made by this well-known producer. Do you want to get excited about it? It might be set after the events of Rise of Skywalker and people are going crazy. Like, yo, post-sequel content. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's wait. We know literally that's just a rumor. That might not even be true. I think that Disney's probably going to wait to do post-sequel content for the sequel kids to grow up a little bit. Because got to have that nostalgia. Didn't make the Clone Wars until seven years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah, and and it was kind of announced that Lucasfilm, uh, they've been delaying their new projects, their new movies, because they have fear and indecision. Yeah. Honestly, just pick something. If, if honest, the diehard fans are going to be there, they're going to watch it no matter what. I saw all of the Star Wars movies that Disney made, and I only liked one of them, and that's kind of like borderline. Uh, the shows have been better, but... Just pick something and stick with it. it. It's been way too indecisive. It's been like, oh, we want to do a solo movie and we recast Han Solo. Oh, no, it didn't perform well at the box office. Oh, no, we're never going to recast legacy characters ever again. And we're going to just scan everyone's face and deep fake them like Luke because everyone liked that, right? Just make new characters and then just... Have a set plan. Have a plan. If you're going to make a trilogy, Ryan Johnson, I'm looking at you because you're apparently the next guy, except he's making Knives Out. But I saw that he had a meeting with Kathleen Kennedy this week. If you're going to make a trilogy, you should know how the trilogy ends. You know? The prequel trilogy was bad, but at least there was a point. The whole point of the prequel trilogy is to show Anakin's fall and how he became Darth Vader. Not very interesting. I think the whole geopolitical stuff that was set up in those movies was more interesting than that. Um, maybe it's just because it wasn't executed very good. But at least the prequels had a point. The sequels have no point. It was, it was like, oh, who is Rey? And then Rey is nobody. And then, oh, Rey is somebody. And also Palpatine's back because fuck you. That's the sequels. Uh, sorry, I'm a little upset. I do want to briefly talk about Andor because Andy Serkis was in the the newest episode, and I can't not see him as Alfred. So, sorry, Andy Serkis. I know you've had a very long and colorful career. Uh, you were Gollum. I also can't unsee his eyes as Gollum's eyes, but that's another thing. But he plays like an angry prison guard, and I I don't know. I'm just like, oh, that's Alfred. He's going to get blown up by mail sent by the Tricky Riddler. So, there you go. Let's talk about movie news. We love movies here. I love movies. I love movies. Who said that? That's a quote. He's like, I love movies. I don't know. I think Wiseblood said it in her hit song, Movies. She did. Except she, she kind of like said it. Like throughout like thirty seconds, it was very drawn out. Like yeah, I don't think that was what I was referencing. No, <laughs> I don't. I searched "I love movies" and nothing is showing up. 
surprisingly. So, sorry. Um, we're going to talk about John Carpenter because John Carpenter keeps doing interviews and they keep making me laugh. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite headline of the week. John Carpenter isn't worried about Halloween remakes affecting his legacy. I really don't care. Seems about right. Uh, here's a quote. My movie exists. Make your own. You want to pay me a bunch of bucks? Fine. Have a great time. John Carpenter's the man. I'm, I'm really liking this guy every time he opens his mouth. Um, he's been great. Speaking of Hori, I... Hori? What is that? <laughs> Horror icons. <laughs> Shelley Duvall is being in a new movie. Shelley Duvall is... Uh, the lady in The Shining, uh, she kind of took a break from acting, uh, obviously. If you know anything about how <laughs> how Kubrick treated her on set, it is obvious that she took a break from acting. Tippi Hedren also took a break from acting when she was traumatized by Alfred Hitchcock and the birds, which led her to make Roar, a movie about lions eating people. So, well, it's not about that, but that is what happened in the movie uh yeah so Shelley Duvall's coming back first film in 20 years to the indie horror thriller The Forest Hills uh Forest Hills Drive Forest Hills Drive oh J. Cole it's probably a J. Cole movie probably (laughs) a J. Cole genre of movie Ooh, we have Kid Cudi genre of movie now we have to have J. Cole genre of movie I've not seen Kid Cudi's movie by the way but I've heard good things so, who knows? Um, but the synopsis of the Forest Hill Drive J. Cole film is, it follows a disturbed man who was tormented by nightmarish visions after enduring head trauma while camping in the Catskill Mountains. Duval will play his mother. Okay. I don't know. I don't... I, Shelley Duvall's great in The Shining. Um... It's almost like she wasn't acting at all. She was just genuinely terrified and sleep-deprived and mentally assaulted by a crazy man who faked the moon landing. You can tell that he faked the moon landing because the chick in the... Not the chick. The kid in The Shining is wearing a, a sweater that has a rocket on it. That means that it's a little hint that Kubrick faked the moon landing because the kid is wearing a rocket on his T-shirt and Kubrick made 2001 a space odyssey so he knows how to fake space footage. You stupid idiots who thought that NASA did it. It's not NASA, it was Kubrick and he's been doing it all along and you guys are so dumb for buying it. Evil Dead True. Rise is a movie that is coming Real. out in April. <laughs> oh. Yeah. A new Evil Dead movie. The first one since the last time they made a new Evil Dead movie in 2013. And it's the last Evil Dead thing since that show Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which was a show that came out in 2017, I think. I hope I got all of those dates right, because I did not look those up beforehand. <laughs> uh, we got a little bit of a... Uh, it's just like a photo of the Evil Dead hag, um, which is just like a zombie lady. Um, it's not directed or written by Sam Raimi, uh, and it's shot by someone who has never worked with Sam Raimi, so I am not going to watch this film. I frankly don't care about it. I just wanted to bring it up because there's a new Evil Dead movie being made, but I don't care. Let's talk about animation. 
do 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 do. We got a big old versus battle, a big team battle against Guillermo del Toro and Disney CEO Bob Chapek. Can you guess what oh. team I'm on? Not Disney. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's a debate on animation audiences. Guillermo del Toro has been doing a lot of press promoting animation as a legitimate art form because he'd made an animated movie. And I, I guess that's it. Um, I've been, I saw that uh, studio Netflix, I guess, is petitioning not only for Pinocchio to win Best Animated Movie, but for Pinocchio to get a Best Picture nom. I guess we'll see if it's that good. Um, but Guillermo said, uh, we wanted to show animation is not a genre for kids. It's a medium. Animation is film. Animation is art. And it can tell stories that are gorgeous and complex. Big true. Bob Chapek stumbled in after having seven lines of coke and talking to James Cameron about Avatar 6. He said, I always say that when parents put their kids to bed at night after watching an animated film, they're probably not going to tune into another animated movie. They want something for them. So, yeah, I guess the debate is whether you He's think... He's not wrong because he's <laughs> coming at it from a marketing perspective, and that's yeah. what numbers show. But, like, he's wrong. <laughs> he is wrong. Uh, there is a lot of good adult animated yeah. things. There are even successful adult animated things. Like yeah. my favorite show, Rick and Morty. Rick or Mortis. I would say that is one of the most popular shows that is out. Well, at least it was. I don't know if it, it still is. I don't think it is anymore. Okay. Well, that just shows that not only animation is successful, but adult animation is successful has the potential to be. You just have to have a good writer like Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland playing the same guy he always does. Which In is it's my Justin Roiland impression. It's not very good, but I've been talking for a while. Um yeah, yeah. I'm very excited for Pinocchio. It has a I believe it has a ninety nine percent now, sitting at a one hundred. Everybody who's seen it at TIFF has been giving rave reviews, saying that it's it might be Guillermo's best movie, which is crazy, because it's a Pinocchio movie, and this man made Pan's Labyrinth, and honestly, Nightmare Alley is really, really solid. Um, but, you know, who knows? I guess we'll see later. Uh, let's talk about business. I am a businessman, and I love talking about business plans. You know DC Studios? Yeah. No, you don't. Not anymore. There's a new head honcho in charge, and his name is director of Scooby-Doo, James Gunn. Let's go. And Peter Safran, who produced most of James Wan's stuff, like the Annabelle series and Aquaman and all of the stuff that James Wan has done. They are going to be running DC's movie TV animation department. They are both co-CEOs and co-chairs of DC Studios. This is James Gunn we're talking about. The guy who used to work with Roger Corman in the 90s. Uh, I know that means nothing to you, but that means something to someone out there. Um, I think this is a good idea. Uh, apparently they have described it as Gunn will handle the creative side, 
Safran will handle the business side. Um, also a fun little nugget, DC apparently asked Kevin Feige to do it first. And you'll never guess what Kevin Feige said. No, no thanks. I'm getting paid millions of dollars with Disney. I'm not going to jump ship right before Black Panther 2 comes out. I tell you what. Um, yeah, I think this is a good move. I think James Gunn is one of the best creative minds right now. Um, I was a little concerned because they didn't announce that Peter Safran was also going to be there. So I'm like, James Gunn is not a businessman. I don't know why they would put him as the CEO of, of DC Studios. But now that I see that Peter Safran is there, who is also not a businessman, he's a film producer, a pretty good film producer, or at least competent, doesn't mean that he's a good businessman. I guess we'll see. Um, I know nothing about business. I just know that there are people who study business, and I don't think that Peter Safran is one of them. That's all I'm going to say. What do you think about this? Do you think it's good or bad or in between? Uh, I don't have an opinion, but I like James Gunn. Okay. I think that's the right answer. I watch the stuff that the studios put out if I'm interested in it, and then I don't do any other digging ever. (laughs) Because yeah. I could care less about Disney throwing millions of dollars at some <laughs> random person to do one mediocre thing before he leaves. Yeah, that's usually, um, you know, I, I, I do care about the studios because I think that's a good indicator of things. You see those searchlight pictures things before you watch a movie, you know, it's either going to be some artsy bullshit or it's going to be something pretty good. I guess you could say the same thing about A24. I pretty much just described A24. Yes. Um, when it comes to big studios like this, I think that the whoever's at the helm is insanely important. Kevin Feige, if anyone else was in charge of Marvel, I think it would not be as doing as well as it is doing. I think a perfect example is Kathleen Kennedy, who is the uh, lead at Lucasfilm. She has shown herself to be a very... They, they need James Gunn to come in and fix Star Wars. Maybe Taika's making a Star Wars movie. Have him come in and fix it. I don't really trust him either. He's kind of a wild card. But I think it would be better than Kathleen Kennedy. It, it's the same thing. Kathleen Kennedy is an insanely talented producer. She produced for, like, Steven Spielberg, others... I can't think of them off my head. But she did, like, every single Spielberg movie, or at least the ones you've heard of. Um, She's very, very good at being a producer. She is not good at running a studio and making sweeping creative decisions. I think that's Kevin Feige's strong suit. He's very good at setting up a story and building to something, which is what I was talking about earlier. Have a plan. He knew that Thanos was going to be the big guy. He knew it from day one. Ever since he made... The Incredible Hulk movie in 2008 by Ang Lee. He knew that that Thanos was going to be the big bad guy at the end, even though he was not there at all. But he knew. That's business. Business, business, business. Have you seen us? As part of our Halloween special, I watched three classic Halloween movies. None of them are Halloween films. I watched Scream. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Dawn of the Dead. And I thought two out of the three of those were really good. Spoiler alert, 
I thought I gave Dawn of the Dead five out of five stars. It's great. But let's talk about Scream. Do you know anything about Scream? I like the funny mask. It is a funny mask. They make it a point in the movie to to show that that mask is just like everywhere. It's just like something that you could buy at like a gas station. Ah. Yeah. It's like, it's not special at all. Like Mike Myers' mask is very specific. Yeah. Freddy's mask is not. It's just a hockey mask. What makes it specific is that in Friday the 13th 3, someone hit him with over the head with a machete, so he has like a notch right above his right or left eye, and that's the only constant throughout every single Friday the mm. 13th movie is that there's a little notch where the machete went. Um, but Scream it's a it's a dude in a uh just a spooky ghost mask and a like a really cheap cloak and uh, he kills people with like a, I, guess, I think it's like a gutting knife. It might be like a fishing fillet knife. I don't know. It's not like super thin or curved like that. I don't know what kind of knife it is. It's not very distinct. It's not like a machete or uh, what does, Mike Myers does the kitchen, the kitchen knife, steak knife, butcher's knife. I don't know. Cleaver. Cleaver. No, it isn't a cleaver. It's like a it's a kitchen knife. And then Freddy's got the claws. Same with Edward, Edward Scissorhand also has the claws. But Scream, I gave four out of five stars. It was really, really solid. Um, originally, the, the title of the movie was going to be Scary Movie, and it was going to be a parody of Scary Movies. It, they changed the name... And then they, they, but they kept that in their minds because they really thought that that was a good idea. And then they made bill, millions of dollars on the scary movie franchise. Um, but then they did Scream. Uh, Scream, it's directed by Wes Craven, who uh, I think he directed the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so he's also kind of a horror icon. Same with Rob Zombie. I love Rob. It's kind of a joke. Kind of a joke? Yeah, kind of not. Kind of not. It's weird. He's he's even more hit or miss than, like, Wes Craven. Because Wes Craven did, like, all the Scream sequels, which apparently are not very good. Um, But Scream 1's great. It has Matthew Lillard in it. Gotta love love Matthew Matthew Lillard. Lillard. It has Nev Campbell. It got Courtney Cox. It is, like, the most 90s movie I have ever seen. Everyone is dressed to the nines in baggy pants and beanies, like navy, not navy, but like olive green beanies with like tan stripes. You know the ones I'm talking about. It is very 90s. Um, and it is very, very good. It's, it's, it's a very, it's very self-aware. Like horror movies exist in this universe. They mention Halloween like seven times. Um, I, th- I think they bring up like the exorcist and uh, nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th. Like they, they blatantly call out other horror movies and their tropes. And they're like, eh, I'm not going to do that. Or they just blatantly recreate shots. Like there is a shot that is straight out of Halloween. That is very funny. Henry Winkler's in it too. He's uncredited in the movie, which is crazy. Cause he plays the principal of the school and he's in it a lot. Like, he has, he has a couple scenes that are just dedicated to him, and he has no credits. Um, 
but he's great as always. He plays a principal that may or may not be. It's a he may or may not be into the students. That's all I'm gonna say. It is never explicitly said, but he acts really weird. Unlike Henry Winkler. Yeah, I've. <laughs> it was so weird that coming out of Henry Winkler's mouth because he's such a nice guy. I know him from Barry. He's just everyone's dad. Well, not really, but he is in the last season of Barry. Um, I I thought that there was some funny things. They had some cameos. Uh, Linda Blair played uh, a reporter. She had a little cameo. Linda Blair is the kid in The Exorcist who is the demon, the demon lady. I'm a demon. Uh, There was a a cameo by Wes Craven. Uh, He was a janitor that Henry Winkler, like, opened a hall to, and he was just there. He was in a red and black striped sweater and a big old hat. He He was doing his... Freddy Krueger cosplay, and then he named the janitor Fred. Uh, yeah, that's the tone of this movie. Um, and also, he kind of compared himself to John Carpenter because they were talking about horror movies, and he, and one of the chicks is like, oh, I think I saw that in one of those Wes Carpenter films. It's like, okay. I kind of see you, Wes, Wes, Wes Craven, but watch Scream. It's great. It's a good movie, um, and you'll never see the twist coming. I didn't. There's like three red herrings as to who the 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 ghost face guy is, and it's actually ghost face. It's actually ghost face killer. Which came first, scream or ghost face killer? Mm, when scream, did the first scream come out? Scream came out in 1990. Uh, so scream the movie came first, I think. Sorry, Scream came out in 1996. Oh, never mind. So did Ghostface Killer come out before? Uh, oh, yeah, Enter the Wu-Tang is 1993. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if Wes Craven is a Wu-Tang man. I, I, some, for some reason, I doubt that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, next, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This movie's bad. I know it has like a 4.1 on Letterboxd, and everyone and their dad loves this movie, but I've never been more uncomfortable in my entire life. Um, if Scream is the most 90s movie I've ever seen, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the most 70s movie I've ever seen, and that is not a compliment. The 70s, I think, if I were to like... Pick the grossest decade where everyone's just sweaty and everything is brown and puke-colored. It's the 70s. The fashion was good. The music was good. But everything's just so gross. And this movie does not help that, that stereotype at all. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everyone is sweaty. Everyone is gross-looking. Everyone that they meet is like cannibal and they're weird like every person they meet is a cannibal in texas it's crazy uh i would not recommend this movie it i think people like this movie because it's shot like like a home video or something like it's not 
cinematic. I think you see the shot at the end. Like, everyone knows the ending of this movie where the chick's in the car. She's on, like, the back of the truck. She's, like, covered in blood, and she's, like, laughing. And then Leatherface is running around with the chainsaw. He's like, ah. That's, like, the only cinematic part of this whole movie. The rest of it is shot so flat. It's shot like a 50s horror movie. Not a compliment. Because 50s horror movies are some of the most drab, boring movies ever. Watch the original Blob. I dare you. Like, 80% of that movie is just talking. It's, it's not good. And this movie is also pretty much just talking. And then the last third of the movie is really, really disturbing. Um, so much so that I, I, I was shocked that it came out in, like, 76. The gore effects are phenomenal, especially comparing that to Dawn of the Dead, which also has great gore effects, but they are not anywhere close to the realism that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is somehow able to achieve 50 years ago. There is one scene where um, this couple, they go out. The whole reason they go over to Leatherface's house is because this one dude's like, yeah, there's a swimming hole around here. You should just follow that trail. And luckily, the trail leads right to Leatherface's house. I guess. I don't know. It kind of made me think that the guy who was telling people... um, to go swimming was Leatherface because they have a similar build and they have similar hair. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is the twist. The twist is that Leatherface is this dude. But then Leatherface kills that dude, like, right away. So I, you know, probably not the same person. I don't know. Maybe they establish that in the, in the sequels. Um, but yeah, there, there's a scene where the, the, the boyfriend has already been incapacitated uh, and then the girlfriend runs in to, to help, and she just kind of gets picked up by Leatherface and put on a meat hook and forced to watch Leatherface. Dead by Daylight reference. That's a great Dead by Daylight <laughs> reference. <laughs> She's put on a meat hook, and she watches Leatherface chop up her boyfriend and as she anticipates what's next. It was horrible to watch. Um, so... The only good thing in the movie is that there's a chair that I uh, I audibly said out loud, even though I watched it by myself. I wa- I said that is so fucking metal because it was this this couch, and it was like made of a skeleton, and the skeleton was like kind of stretched out, so like all of the bones were like spread out and spaced apart. So that it looked like the skeleton was like giving like a huge hug. Kind of that was the situation. Like the armrests were the arms and then the legs were the legs and the couch. And then you sat on like a pelvis thing. It was like you were this huge skeleton. Like that's awesome. It, it didn't help that that room also was just covered in ashes and bones. And there was like a random chicken in a cage. But that was really cool. I liked that. That was pretty cool. I would have liked that in like a Tim Burton movie or literally anything else but this movie, but that was pretty cool. I gave it one and a half stars for the cool couch, which maybe is too generous, but I didn't want to be too unpopular. I was too peer pressured by that 4.1 on Letterboxd. Um, But this one, 
Dawn of the Dead, fantastic movie. I it did a complete 180. Where I watched maybe the worst horror movie I've ever seen. To now, I think this is one of the best. This is really, really great. Uh, George Romero, God rest your soul. What a beautiful man. Uh, he has a cameo in this movie, and he looks at the camera. I think he did it unintentionally. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, this movie, this one also takes place in the 70s, but it's not gross. It's just in a 70s shopping mall. It's what if zombies in the mall, which uh, I guess to clear that up, because that has been done before, um, or not before this, but it has been done since. Um, I mean, uh, Zack Snyder's first movie was a Dawn of the Dead remake, and it is widely regarded as one of his best movies. So it was only downhill from there. Um, but George Romero, for those who don't know, he was the guy who essentially made the zombie thing as we know it today. Without George Romero, there is no Walking Dead. There is no Last of Us. There's no World War Z even. Everyone loves World War Z, but it's hard to think of a world without World War Z. And, you know, you have George Romero to thank for that. There was, like, myths, you know? Like, it was, like, a, a, a white myth that, like, oh, yeah, voodoo in the Caribbean, you can raise people from the dead. But they weren't called zombies. George Romero also never called them zombies. I don't know who came up with that. But this movie establishes a lot of the rules that are still common in, in zombies today. Uh, if you get bit, you're infected. That's, uh, I think that's quintessential zombie. Uh, zombies are slow, and they have their hands out. Uh, I'm doing it right now, which you can't see, but you know what I'm talking about. Zombies have their hands out, and they go, Ugh. They never sit, they never want brains in this movie. So I guess that's something that came later. Also, the only way to kill a zombie is you have to destroy the brain or remove the head. I think that's a line from Shaun of the Dead. I think that's also how you killed him in The Walking Dead. Yeah. I know that because of the game. The Saints and Sinners <laughs> game. Also, I found out that this is a little bit of a tangent, but... Did you know that The Walking Dead was developed by Frank Darabond, who yes. made... Do you know who Frank Darabond is? I know him because of The Walking Dead. Oh, you know him from other things, because he made The Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption. Ah. Uh -huh. He is one of the best filmmakers of all time, and he made The Walking Dead, which I thought was surprising, but... Yeah. Apparently, he only was there for, like, the first season and a half. Okay, that makes sense. And then AMC dropped him because question mark. I don't know. Maybe he only wanted to do maybe one season. I don't know. Um, I don't know what he's doing nowadays. I don't think he really does anything. So come back, Frank Darabond. I'd love the Green Mile too. Tom Hanks is still around, and he'll do <laughs> anything. Uh, but back on track, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's a great film. There is four people. There are four white, or not four white people. There are three white people, white and, people and one go. black person. Um, surprisingly, he first. oh, I was about to say, he is one of the only people that makes it out. Ah. I know. Surprise. Um, I was totally expecting him to get got first. 
Like, okay, this is a horror movie from the 70s. You know, but George Romero, he was ahead of his time. He knew, he knew that this was going to be a trope. So he, he subverted the expectations, Ryan Johnson style. Uh, yeah, the, the, the black guy and there's an, the first white guy, they're like soldiers, I think. They're either soldiers or like SWAT members. The first scene we see of them, they're raiding like a, a project housing or something. One of the other guys is like, I can't wait to kill all these Puerto Ricans and a word that shall not be said. Um, so they might be SWAT. They're probably police, given that attitude. Um, but yeah, they raid the building because the outbreak of the zombies, it is mainly targeting lower to middle class people. Um, because George Romero, it's real life in George Romero. There's no, like, before the zombies things, it was like, you had to have a witch, and then she would, like, and then zombies would just come out of the grave. George Romero was just like, nah, one night, just, zombies kind of just got up one time, and then they just started biting people. But the zombies are so lame in this movie, like... I'm kind of used to zombies being like Last of Us zombies where they kind of can run around um, and they can't talk, but they do make sounds. In in this movie, they are the worst zombies in the whole entire world. They just kind of stumble around. Um, like there are moments where there's like swarms of them and then like the guy just like kind of shoves one and then it knocks a couple over and it's just like, these guys are the worst. How did they infect anybody? But I guess they did it on such a mass scale that it, like, knocked out everybody in population and started as a Mad Max crazy zone. Um, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. If you can find it, because the distribution rights are all tied up. I don't even think legally you can get it on DVD anywhere. Any of the of the dead. Uh, which technically I watched the second one in the trilogy because there's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, which is George Romero's zombies movies. Um, but Night of the Living Dead is very famous for being insanely hard to come by, except, excitingly enough, Night of the Living Dead just got released on the Criterion Collection, so now it is probably the most accessible one out of the three to get. Um, Dawn of the Dead, I found a couple rips on YouTube, which I don't know if they are the right cut, but I watched a cut of the movie, and it was in 1080p, so it was pretty good. Like, I don't know, I feel like I've seen the movie. Um, it was pretty, pretty genuine epic. I want to take a moment to talk about the uh, great special effects, which I hardly ever talk about, uh, from Tom Savini a horror icon, went on to, he worked with George Romero a lot, he went on to do the special effects in Friday the 13th 1 and 4, I think, uh, which 4 is regarded as one of the best, I know you know that now, because you, you told me that you knew that, and I was shocked, um, yep, because you're not a, you're not a horror movie man, nope, you just found that out on the street one day, yes, some guy told you on the bus or something, yeah, it's uh, awesome. I'm really glad that some dude's like, yo, Friday the 13th, four and six are the good ones. Four and six are good. Don't watch any of the other ones. Um, but yeah, so Tom Savini, he is 
He's probably one of the best practical effects guys, especially of that era. He has this trick that I absolutely love because um, squibs were kind of a thing, but they, you know, they were difficult and dangerous. Um, so, like, when you, instead of, like, when someone gets shot now, you, in, like, and, uh, I want to use Tarantino as an example, but that is not how most modern squibs are done. Uh, but, you know, you shoot someone in the head, you get a burst out front, and you get a burst out back. A bigger burst out back, usually. Uh, Tom Savini thought, well, we can't rig some explosives up to a guy's head, because that's going to make his head fall off. Uh, I have this little trick. And what he did was, he got this, like, little, uh, like a little patch of, like, epoxy that, like, looked like skin tone. Or I guess it was like blue because all the zombies are blue in this movie. You get like this little layer of skin, you fill it up with blood, and then you put like a quarter in it, and then like you you tie a string to the quarter, you put the quarter on the guy's head where you want the bullet to come out, and then you seal the epoxy full of blood on top of it, and then when you're ready to shoot, you pull the string, and then the, the quarter comes out and all the blood comes out too. It's a very innovative way of doing that which I thought was really interesting. I did some digging on it because I was impressed with the special effects of the time. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. I'm also a big fan of George Romero's editing, which I never talk about. I never talk about editing. But um, there is a lot of, like, especially in the beginning, the, the very opening of the movie is a news, like a news station. As all this stuff is breaking, one of the main characters, she's like, like a station manager or something. She works behind the scenes and like n nobody knows exactly what is happening. There's like so much sound. It's like I'm watching a David Lynch movie and you can't hear what any, anybody's saying. And like, there's like moments where like it kind of slows down. And then like the people who are being interviewed about this zombie outbreak, they're just like, you need to cut off someone's head. You need to shoot their brain. Cause that is literally the only way. And then just everybody starts exploding again. Just, it's that those touches that are great. Also, George Romero plays a director as in the newsroom. I'm like, that's George Romero. I know every 70s director looks the same. They got big hair and big beard and big glasses. Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese never had a beard, but big glasses. Uh, Spielberg, George Romero. I want to say Sam Raimi, but I don't think he had glasses. But you get my point. Watch Dawn of the Dead and The Scream. Great movies. Uh, try to avoid Texas Chainsaw Massacre at all costs, even if they make a new one. I don't know if they're going to do that, but maybe. I think that's it. That's all I have. We can move on to that's music. It. I know. Very brief segment. Uh, brief part of the podcast. This clocking in at an hour 15. Oof. Um, I just talked a lot, so now you can talk about music. Although I do have okay. one thing to say about music. Okay. Uh, I didn't listen to too much this week. You coward. What yeah. were you doing? Not listening Engineering? to Engineering? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. I'm a big engineer guy. Uh... The one thing I did listen to, or there's a couple things I listened to, uh, Westside Gun, new album. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
This was very unfortunate timing for him. Uh, the 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 album he was releasing was going to be in the Hitler Wears Hermes series. It's going to be the tenth one. Um, unfortunately for him, uh, Kanye was talking about how he wanted to name his yay album Hitler. So that was kind of in the news cycle for a little bit. And then that was just a little unfortunate that like West Side Gun has 10 of these albums that has Hitler in the title because it's like a play on the Devil Wears Prada. So it's Hitler Wears Hermes, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Um, So he released the album, but he just named it 10. So (laughs) this is is 10. 10. 10. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, I, I, I really like West Side Gun. He he doesn't always have like the most consistent album releases sometimes he puts out like little tiny projects that are kind of okay um his like peace fly god uh record this year was okay it, it didn't really do too much for me um but something like this this one felt like a straight mixtape uh i don't know who he's such a good curator that he was like let me put dj drama on my song because there's not enough just like really strange vocal screaming and stuff going on. I need DJ drama to like <laughs> yell some funny stuff while I go boo, 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 boo. <laughs> uh, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the album starts with like AA Rashid just like going into like, like how like high art and everything like they usually do. Cause it's always like, this is street rap, but it's like high art street rap. That's like Griselda's thing. So it's like a three minute like rant about that. And then it goes into the second track where it's just DJ drama just yelling. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and then the the, the 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 first real track that I got was Super Kick Party, which is track three. That was, that was really great. Um, West Side Gun definitely can keep up with everybody when he wants to. Uh, he's got such a good... His flow's so unique. I really like it. It's There's something about it that I just really like. There's some kind of like confidence there that's just like next level. Um, yeah. But features on this thing are absolutely insane. After that, we got Shootouts in Soho with ASAP Rocky and Stove God. Stove God's all over this thing, which is good. Uh, Stove God has been really close to West Side Gun these last couple of releases, which is not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, that song is great. Uh, Peppa's with Black Star. This man got Black, Black Star on the Star. track. Um, I love Black Star. Yeah, they both did great. Um, I will say that this, sound, this song sounds like they took this from... Uh, the new Black Star album, because uh, the mixing on both of their vocals is really rough, uh, which is how it is on the new record of theirs because they recorded it in like hotel rooms on like microphones that aren't studio quality. Yeah. Um, so mixing's not good, but like the song goes hard, so I don't really care. Okay. It kind of matches the mixtape quality of this record, anyways. Um, but yeah, that one's definitely one of my favorites hearing West Side Gun next to uh, both of them is definitely something. Uh, what else? Science class with Busta Rhymes and Raycon and Ghostface Killa is crazy. Oh, um, and Stoglad, of course. Uh, that is a very big lineup and there's a really cool way that they built the track of like the sample refrain, um, that like kind of pieces out each of their verses, so they all tell a story through their verse, and it all connects to back back to like whatever the line on the sample was. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they like related to that topic. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, that one's really fantastic. Uh, switches on everything. You got run the jewels on this thing. What I think LP produced this beat because it definitely sounds like something he would do. Um, 
but that turned out really well as, as, as well. Uh, yeah, this is a very consistent project. Um, there's a couple songs where I'm kind of eh about, but like the whole thing just feels like a really fun, like loose mixtape. So it's not really like the biggest deal. Um, it's just a fun thing to put on. It's, 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 bump, it's bumping in the car. That's all I got to say. And that's all I really need from West Side Gun <laughs> at this point. Um, that's right. So this was a big success for me. I really like this one. Uh, I kind of, he kind of fell off my radar for a little bit because his last release was kind of, and I wasn't sure if he was going to like, uh, you know, hold off this year or if he was going to put something else out. So yeah, glad this came out. Um, other new things week, uh, Smino, Smino's album left for rent. Um, this thing's pretty good. I need to listen to it more. I just listened to it today. Uh, but I love his combo of like, um, Southern R and B and hip hop. Um, he does this very well. Uh, a lot of sticky hooks on this thing. Smino is one of those guys who's always been like a really fantastic feature artist. Like if you see a song featuring Smino, you know, it's about to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like his solo music has never grabbed me too much, but a couple of songs on here are like really, really great. Um, so I, I am messing with this. I need to go back into his later or his earlier work too and see if he's got what else he's got. Cause I don't know. I, he's like Jid if he was more on the R and B side of things. Um, He's got that Atlanta style, kind of like Outkast, where they kind of put their hat in many things, where it's like, here's a fast flow, here's like a really good singing track, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty good record. I need, I need to listen to it a lot more. But my first impressions were that I, I enjoyed most of the songs here. Okay. Um, SZA came back with a song. That's crazy. I love this uh, song. It's so good. It's very good. It's got yes. 10 million plays already. It's crazy. It's so good. I think this song blew up on TikTok before it came out, so I think that's one of the reasons why it like got so much traction so quickly. But yeah, uh, it's it's fantastic. This better be on a new record or something, because like I think this I is mean, the lead up to something. I would I would think so. It's it sounds like it. Yeah, I I also while we're talking about this is a song. I I listened to Control Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, you know, they're definitely B sides. Um, the Love Galore Alt version. Just remove Travis Scott. Um, <laughs> she does do a verse on it, which is pretty good. Um, but for some, the audio transition's not very good. Because it's like, what the line is like, uh, uh, what is it? Girls, I dated a few. And then it tr- transitions into Travis's verse. Mm. For some reason, it cuts few off too early. So it's like, dated a few. And then it like transitions into her. Ver- I'm like, okay, don't know exactly what that is. All right. um, but the like fully fleshed songs I thought were pretty good. Two A.M. Mm-hmm. and Jody, I think are are highlights for me. Um, but yeah, shirt is better than all the stuff on the deluxe. So if I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, because it is. Uh, I love this song. I've been listening to it. And stop. I just keep listening to it over and over again. Why even listen to anything else? True. Um, Have you listened to yeah, Taylor Swift? I listen to like two songs. I just, I'll get to it eventually. I'm not like, I don't know. But she has the, every the hype top is not 10. There for me. She has the every hype is not single. There for me. I don't care. Every single top 10 position care. on the billboard. It's all her. It doesn't matter. It's the best album of all time. Folklore gripped me immediately, and so did Evermore. This one's like, 
I don't know. I just, I've never in the mood, like, for the past two weeks where I'm like, I need to sit down and listen to this Taylor Swift record. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I'll I, get there eventually. <laughs> I, I don't want to listen to it and have to, like, force myself to get through it because then I'm going to, like, have a skewed perception of what it is. Yes. Um, I, I, I should probably preface that I haven't listened to it either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to the first three songs, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like old okay. Taylor Swift, and then I turned yeah. it off. Lavender Haze was okay. I don't remember I, I felt like it was a decent song. Uh, I also don't remember it that much, but I remember... <laughs> okay. I remember thinking it was quite decent. Okay. Um, I wasn't, like, listening, listening. Um, King Gizzard album changes out. We're going to do a video on that, so that will be out next week. Um, yep. Round out our little... King Gizzard Madness. Um, it's madness. Yeah. Uh, Drake and 21 Savage pushed their album back to this Friday uh, instead of last Friday. So we'll see what, the, what that's cooking like uh, next week. Uh, well, there won't be a podcast next week. So in two weeks, you'll see um, how I'm feeling on that. I, I hope this is good. I really hope this is good. Like, 21 Savage is so good, and I just need Drake to just rap and not <laughs> hard at all. Just please, just, I don't care. Just do something, please. Ooh. Like, this should be great. Yeah. When does that come uh, out? Uh, this Three Friday, November 4th. Friday, okay. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we should listen to a reaction. We should get the Drake fans in our YouTube comments. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would go. <laughs> not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll give my thoughts on it whenever we do the podcast next. Uh, Nas has announced King Disease 3. Oh, boy. So that's going to be coming out on November 11th. Kind of excited for that. The, uh, both of the other King's Diseases have been really great. Um, yeah, Nas is kind of on a hot streak right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, he also did Magic last year. Yeah. Yeah, he's been, he's been on a roll. Um, so, like, how many decades in? Like, Three decades in now, he's still yeah. killing it. Yeah. Love it. Um, Borkampen, uh, they oh, released yeah. the cover art and the title for their last album, The Family, that comes out November 17th. Pretty good. Um, we might give this a reaction, possibly. I don't know. We'd we'll need have to Bab see Jab if Bab Jab will yeah, want to do that. Bab Jab, so I thought the cover was it, pretty weird. The cover is kind of wacky. I kind of like it. Um, there's like little Easter eggs to like all their albums in there. Yeah, I saw cool. there was an iridescence baby. <laughs> Yeah, and like the blue parents. The blue parents, yeah. All that stuff. So that looks kind of cool. We'll see what's cooking with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is going to be the last record. I have no emotional Ever. attachment to this group. So I don't either. Well, well it sounds like I'm actually excited for this because I would love a bareface record. Yeah, I'm excited for them to do solo stuff. I feel like this is definitely the right time to call it because yes. people are kind of getting sick of it too. <laughs> um, and I'm 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 just interested to see where everyone's gonna go. It's like yeah, an odd. I, I know situation. Kevin Abstract makes really good solo music. He's had yeah. a couple uh, good albums out there, and then the newer singles he's been releasing, I've been a big fan of. Yes. Um, so they'll all be fine. I know that. Um, well, especially the big well, big ones. I need a bareface yes. record. I yeah. I think he is the well I don't think I, he's pretty much the Frank Ocean of the group. Yeah, um, where he just, I think he executive produced this new record too. Okay, so. I, I'm in. I'm I'm following his career with great. <laughs> I forgot the me. I forgot the freaking Palpatine quote. Not a yeah. true nerd. But. Yeah, 
You got it. You just ran it about Star Wars. For I don't care. Um, Lay off. <laughs> <laughs> not a real nerd. I'm not a real nerd. You didn't nerd. go for 25 minutes. That's right. Um, yeah, the Wise Blood record comes out November 18th, so November's looking to be a good month. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. Um, that's pretty much it that I wanted to talk about. Still jamming the Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, all that stuff. Uh, Arca Kick 4 is out now. Go listen or watch our reaction to us listening to it. I will never if you do would that. like. Um, or don't. I honestly do not care. <laughs> That's uh, not the best sales tactic. I don't care. Do uh, or don't. I do not care do if you don't. buy our product. Yeah. There's no worries song. It's great, though. It's so good. No worries. Anderson Pack. Yeah. Oh, yes. I did listen to that. It's I thought it was so pretty good. good. I love it. Um, yeah. But we got we got viewer reaction marathon coming soon. We got King Gizzard next week. Then we're doing Brandy full moon after that. That's right. And then it's up to the wheel to decide our fate for the next month or so. I hope we're gonna get possibly two months. Sufjan Stevens changes. So. Oh, not changes. What is it? All delighted uh, people. All delighted people. Yeah. I hope it's that one. I hope so. I think that's it. That's it? I think so. Man, you're not a music I've, I've been at just, all. I've been enjoying the music I've, we've been like listening to. Huh. So this is actually a very good point for me right now. I'm like satisfied with like the stuff that we've been reacting to and everything. And I've just been really digging into that, wow. which is nice. Yeah, that's a change. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually my thing. I just I usually hyper fixate on things for months and then you're. The I usually have like a, a couple bunch. spurts during the year where I go crazy and like usually at the beginning of the year I'll hit a point where it's like all right I need new stuff and then I'll just dive into a new genre completely. Mm. Right now, chilling. I feel like I'm like that in the winter months for some reason. Because you're slowed down. Maybe you're trying to hibernate. You're gather. You yeah, gathered all your food. For, I gathered all for my winter. good music and now I get to enjoy all of it. That's right. Sleep. Exactly. I listened to the first three tracks of the Carly Rae Jepsen record, and I couldn't get into it. Maybe I need uh, to give it another listen. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe Western I, Wind. Western Wind. Western Wind. Western Wind. Try that one. I yeah. I started listening to it, and I'm like, this is the whitest thing I've ever oh, listened to. Oh, it really to. is, but I love it. Um, <laughs> and that's coming from me. It's so cozy. Yeah. Um. Or Go Find Yourself or whatever is a good one, too. What about the Rufus Wainwright? That one's pretty good, too. That one's, like, ultra-white, but I kind of like it. Well, I would expect nothing less from Carly Rae Jepsen and Rufus Wainwright. Yeah. I got to flex my whiteness a little bit sometimes. Okay. I don't know if it's something to flex. Got to shine through sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Like, it's not often, but sometimes (laughs) I got to be like, you know. I'm proud of my people. When it comes yeah. to Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Except Norwegians. <laughs> is, yeah. It's as white as I get. Yeah. Um, is she Norwegian? I don't know. Okay. It is I think a she's sen. British. I think she's British. Wow. Yeah, it is a sen, so it could, I don't know. But there are British people who have sons because of freaking Vikings. Yeah. She's Canadian. Oh, she's Canadian? Yeah. Oh, I thought she had an accent. 
She has a Canadian accent. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. She, Interesting. She, I always thought she was British. <laughs> she's from British Columbia. Oh. Ah, huh. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, in 2007, Jepsen placed third on the fifth season of Canadian Idol. <laughs> so that's how she got her start, I guess. Nice. Um, I don't know why I was thinking I'd be able to find... Oh, I did find her ethnicity. Wow, okay. Uh, she is of Danish, English, and Scottish descent. Mm. Okay. Scottish makes sense, because uh, the Vikings were up there. Yeah. Just a little bit. Now that we've traced a random pop star's <laughs> lineage, that's, that's all I have. That's, that's all you have. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I might give the loneliest time a time. I'll give it a time today. Not today, but sometime. 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 I don't know. Um, Yeah, I'm still listening to Titanic Rising and Sling, and I'm still really into Control. It's been like three months, and I'm still really into it. Um, It's slowly climbing up as being one of my favorite records. I just love it so much. I'm such a SZA oh. stan. I can't wait to listen to the Doja Cat SZA song that was the thing that happened last year. Remember yeah. that? I do remember that. Okay, cool. I'm going to go listen to that right now. So. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> okay. Cool guy over here. <laughs> going to sleep on All Hallows Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Okay, bye-bye.